Amen. I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3. thankful for the opportunity to, to be with you all today. Thankful for the body of Christ, amen. I would hate to think of where I would be without the body of Christ. There are some people that, through circumstances of life, one reason or another, find themselves at times going through a season without a body to support them, without the body of Christ to support them. And we're blessed today, we're blessed twice a week, most of us, at least, to be able to come together and fellowship, receive ministry from the body of Christ. And I don't ever want to take that for granted. Thankful for that. I've got a lot of things turning in my spirit, and it's going to be a lot of fun trying to get them turned outwardly. But I believe the Lord is going to minister today. The first three words of this verse, now the serpent. There are people that would tell you, you better be careful talking about the devil. Or we don't mention his name around here or so on and so forth. And uh, I don't say that just comically. Um, I believe I always want to exercise wisdom. I'll say this, anytime he's involved. And then that makes me think, stop and think back, okay, where are the times that he's involved? Uh, actually, let me try to think of a time that he's not involved. There's one passage that says, the sons of men went before the Lord and Satan was there. So as I'm trying to think of, okay, where's the time that he's not involved? I really can't even say, well, if I just get close enough to Elder Hart and surround myself with him and his family or the body here, then, then there won't be any devil to worry about. Well, if we all approach the throne of God together in his presence, or in the, in the passage as it says, they came before God, and Satan was there. That tells me he's not afraid to make himself known anywhere. Or to, to he doesn't feel like he, he, he doesn't feel like he can't access a certain place just because we think he shouldn't be there, if I could put it that way. Now, i got to be careful to make sure that none of my actions or my words use this term, glorify the devil, okay? Glorify him in such a way as, well, I, I just, I, I think he deserves an equal opportunity because <laughs> in our society, everybody gets an equal opportunity to have representation or let their case be heard. So, no, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, Give him undue reverence or, or uh, undue influence of any type. But at the same time, I'm not just going to pretend that he doesn't exist. 
or to pretend that he cares about influencing others but not me, or as if I'm some con- somehow above his ways or his tactics or his, uh, his sight. Uh, no, I never want to get that to that point where I feel like I'm out of his sight, scope, out of, outside of his willingness to attack me, okay? <laughs> I really could say, well, the closer I get to God and try to consecrate my life, the harder it gets to live for him. And in doing that, if I'm not careful, I'm giving him undue reverence and influence when really it's my flesh that struggles when I try to live a completely holy and consecrated life. That has nothing to do with the devil. That's just about me and how well am I going to be able to crucify my flesh and my will to do God's will. We have this saying called, the devil made me do it. I will admit to you, I'm, I, I, I am not just teasing people or poking fun at people. I tried to use that one time with my dad and when I was a teenager. And uh, we were riding in the car together. We were having a very serious discussion about a very serious uh, offense that I had done as a human. And I'm, I'm telling you if, you, if you know me and you know my dad, we're about the two least emotional people that there could be. Um, as far as we don't really express our emotions outwardly very often. And so it was a very awkward ride home um, in the car with him. And he, why would you do that? Why, why are you thinking? Why would? And yes, that phrase before I even thought twice about it, came out of my mouth. I, th- I think it's the devil that wants me to do this. <laughs> and, well, he, uh, he let me say that. And then he just thought for a second. Okay, I'll let you, if you really believe that. But <laughs> we, we, we give him that reverence or that influence in such a way. He has so much power that he can... Take my hand and make it hit somebody else in the face. The devil made me do that. Really? Really? Okay, so we're, uh, we're not afraid or we're, we're not, I guess I should say, we're not opposed to calling him out when he is trying to influence a situation. And we use wisdom about that. When, what, what is he doing and what is he trying to do and what am I going to allow him to do or when am I going to? It's really, it's, it, it, it sounds far-fetched and it sounds scary even, I would say to a new Christian or to a new believer, but really to anybody that's new to this realm if I can use that term. You can, you can be in church 20, 30 years your whole life and just think that I'm never going to have any one-on-one conversation or conflict with the devil, and I'll just keep it that way because I'm, I'm happy to say that, no, I don't have to fight him. But when you get to the point where, no, he's not making me sin, 
But his agenda is starting to affect my agenda or God's agenda. If I really want my agenda to, God's agenda to be mine, then I'm going to start to see some conflict here. And so where it may be my personality to try and avoid all conflict every possible when it's ever possible let's avoid that conflict there will be a juncture sooner or later when the adversary knows i can get this far without there even being a conflict i can i can influence the situation to this degree and he or she is still not even willing to voice what they think, you know, is me. No, we just don't go there. We don't talk about that. We don't, we, 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 no. If, we'll let the Lord handle that. Okay, so it says, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast. The serpent was more subtle than any, we're only three chapters into the Bible here. Okay, we went through the whole creation thing, day one he made this, day two, day three, day four, and, he, and so we've got creation, we've got human beings on the picture, but we're not much further into the timeline of humanity than that, because it's still just Adam and Eve living on the earth, and a serpent who is the most, he, he, he's had at least a few days to prove himself as the most subtle of all the beasts. Everybody say he's subtle. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. He's subtle. If, this, if you feel awkward or uncomfortable... That might be a good thing today because what I'm, what I'm feeling and what I'm hoping is we're going to expose some of the subtlety of the enemy. And when we expose some of the subtlety of the enemy, we have to choose. We have to decide which side of this. No, we're not going to go there. I'm not going to go there. He, he's hiding enough that if, he, if we just stop, he'll go back to hiding. Okay? No, he, he, we, he might just show his face a little bit. And then we'll just slam that door back shut and, and get through this. Not today. I mean, he, he'll, he'll, he'll be as subtle as you want him to be and as subtle as you let him be. But today, I'm calling him out. Okay? So this, he, he, he approaches humans in this subtle way of dialogue. And conversation, questioning what God says, questioning what God does, what his intentions are. Now, stay with me because we're going we're to go somewhere. We're going to shift in a way that you probably didn't see coming. But so he's, he's questioning, God says th this, right? Is that really what he says? Do you believe what he says? And then... We've got an open conversation, open dialogue with the devil. So see, me, me, me talking about him, 
is fine. We're, we're mostly okay with that. But if he was to manifest himself here and I started to debate him in front of you, I don't think anybody would be okay with that, comfortable with that. No, we'd, I'd probably be in an empty room in about 30 seconds, to be honest. But if it, it, because I'm now dialoguing with him and, con- and, and conversing with him in such a way that I'm giving him his fair representation or his opportunity to explain his side of things or whatever it is. And I'm giving voice to it. And I'm sitting here thinking, okay, yeah, you go, you have your turn. I'll, I'll just try to prepare my argument and my response. Living in that realm is dangerous. Just preparing my responses, preparing my case and my side of the argument, because my wisdom doesn't compete with his wisdom. I can't, I can't sit here and in my own dialect and human reasoning explain, or, or, or I guess if we were to use the, uh, the, the, the legal terminology, I can't present enough evidence to, to make him guilty. Right? No, he's right. He's saying what God says. He's, he's just sticking to the word, and we're okay with that. Hang on a second. He's more subtle than anything you've ever dealt with. So with that in mind, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9. This is Paul writing here. Hang on, am I giving you the wrong scripture? Yeah, we'll start at verse 19. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19. Paul, what Paul is doing in this particular book of the Bible, this particular passage of his letter is he's trying to give instruction using himself as an example. How to give instruction on how to witness or how to win souls. We use that term in the church world a lot, win souls. He uses that term quite often in this passage right here. Let me stop for a second and just say, does anybody like to lose? I don't. I promise you. I don't like to. I said earlier I'm about the most most emotionless or least emotional person you see. Let me lose something. Let me start to lose something. A little bit of emotion starts to to come out because I don't want to lose. I don't want to lose. I care about... Winning. Well, depends on what we're talking about, I guess. Because I don't ever want to. <laughs> I don't want to win the ugly sock award. I don't care. I don't care about winning that, right? But so it, it depends on what we're talking about. How much I care about winning or losing. And so, no, we don't always just always want to win. We want to win what we care about winning something that we feel like we can compete at successfully. 
I'm not going to, I really am not going to be that offended if I don't ever win a knowledge bowl because I will readily admit to you there are smarter people than me. I would, I would like to think I can win a long-distance golf ball hitting challenge or at least compete. So I care a little bit more about that than I care about the knowledge bowl. Okay? You're going to see me give my best effort if it's something that I feel like I can compete in. So I can win. So I can win. So what's Paul talking about? For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I may gain the more. Now most other translations, use instead of that word gain, they use the word win. That I might win the more. So think about that because the term is interchangeable as we read this passage when he talks about gaining something or gaining someone. He's really talking about winning something or winning someone. Verse 20. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew that I might gain the Jews or win the Jews. He's competitive enough to feel like there's a struggle, there's a battle, there's a competition going on. I'm not going to lose this thing. I'm going to win. Now, he, he, obviously, you read the rest of his passages. He doesn't do this for himself, for his own personal gain, so that at the end he can say, boys, you thought you could win. You weren't even close. Look how many I won. That's, that's not the case. He's caring, he cares about the struggle that he is observing in other human beings, their struggle with sin, their struggle with the devil, their struggle with themselves and their flesh, and their struggle with their relationship to Christ. So he sees, he observes this internal, I hate to use the word game, but that's what we think of when we think of a competition. He sees this thing and they're battling back and forth. Kind of like a volley. Oh, he serves and then he loses and then he hits it back and then he loses. So he's trying to compete. And Paul steps in and says, I know the winning formula. I know how to win at this game. I can make you a winner. I can make you an overcomer at this game. So to the Jews, they play this game. And they play it in such a way that a Gentile doesn't even know the rules. They obey the law. That's right. So they seek to keep the law. And if they do, they win. And if they don't, they lose. Paul says, I played that game. I know how to play that game. I know the rules. I even know some of the shortcuts. I know some of the hints or what do they call this? The cheat codes to this game. I know how. And so he says, I become as the Jews to win this game. <coughs> Excuse me. That I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. Verse 21. To them that are without the law, as without the law. Well, I, if I know the game of under the law, then I know everything about the game of outside the law. Because either way, you got to know the law, right? 
If I know the law well enough, I, this is just like the devil. If I know the word of God well enough, I can, I can help you win it or I can help you lose it. I can help you follow it or I can find the loopholes to help you. So Paul says those people that have a life with no law, those people that just do what they want to do whenever they want to do it, however they follow their own will, I know that game. I can play that game. I can help them win that game. Now, it's interesting. He gives us a little sidebar here. To them that are without the law is without the law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ. So I can play this game, but I don't even have to break the rules to help you win. Basically, that's what he's saying. I, I don't have to live like the outlaw to help the outlaw win win them to Christ, okay? That's important. In this day and age especially, I guess it's, it's important that we make that distinction. It's not your free pass to go sit on the bar stool next to them every Friday night. Oh, I know, I know this game. I know this game, and I, 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 I can help them win. I can help win them, and I'm not going to follow that. I'm just going to be like them. That's not what he's saying. Okay, I am still under the law to Christ. I'm not without the law, but I'm helping win those that are not under the law. That I might gain them that are without the law. Verse 22. To the weak, I became as weak. He wrote a lot about being weak, didn't he, in his epistles. In my weakness in my suffering. So those that are weak, I know that game. I know how to play that. I know how to win. I've been there, and I've won that. Where are we going with this? The, 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 the devil that's subtle and just would easily try to convince you what God wants and, and what God does and your part that you play in it. What he... What he does is he says, that's Paul's game. Paul was the one that won that game. He knows how to do that. Let Paul do it. You don't know the rules. You don't know the game. You can't, you can't win the Jews because you're not good enough Jew to be a Jew. You can't win those that are without the law because you're, you don't know the rules good enough. You can't win those that are weak. Because somebody's already been there and excelled in that area way better than you ever could. This is what the devil, in his subtlety, would do, would seek to do to me, to keep me out. What I'm, what I'm talking about is reasons I wouldn't care to be a soul winner. Reasons I'm okay with bowing out of this game. And what, whatever the devil can use against me in this game, he'll use it. There's, there's no rule that he doesn't care about breaking. There's no code. There's no ethic that he sticks to to say, oh, well, I feel bad for you today. I'll let, nope, doesn't work that way. To the weak I became as weak. 
that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. What I said is Paul was giving instruction using himself as an example to the church of Corinth on how he witnesses, how he's used by God to save souls. This is not, it's the same guy who wrote, I was with you in weakness, in fear, in much trembling, because I don't want your power, or I, I don't want your faith to rest in me and my ability and my power. So he's not going to turn around a few chapters later and say, by the way, I'm so good at this that I, I can switch hats and I can, because I'm so good. No, I was made all things. In other words, God helps me be who I need to be to witness to who I need to witness to, to reach who I need to reach. He helps me. He, as, the, as Elder Hart used the example earlier with Brother Martine, he helps Martine reach to those that were like he was, to those that live, that, he, so he can step in with a little bit of confidence, not just in himself and say, oh, I'm so great, I got this. No, he can, he, he can relate in such a way through the help of the Holy Ghost to say, I remember what it was like to sit where you're sitting. I remember what it's like to go home to the home that you're going to go home to because the Holy Ghost is helping him do that. I was made all things to all men. There, there's not a man, there's not a woman that you can't relate to enough without, there's not a woman or man that you can't relate to well enough to not save them through the help of the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Ghost knows. And so really what this does, it should be putting a little bit of confidence back into me. That, that, that unruly teenager that was sitting in the car with my dad on that uncomfortable ride home, I know that guy. I relate to that guy. I remember what it was like to sit there and, and feel that, that guilt and that shame and that condemnation and all the things that a sinner would feel. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to put as much distance between me and that person as possible and think I'm never going back there. I'm never doing that again. I'm never going to be like that person. Well, through the help of the Holy Ghost, thankfully, I repent, and I am not. But I don't want to get so far away from that experience that the Lord can't use it. I think i got to get it far enough away from it that the devil can't use it because, oh, yeah. He's always going to remind me. You remember what you did? My brother and my sister, we got to get past that. And when we do, because, again, we know it's God that helps us. We know it's him that brought us out of that. He's not going to just throw you back into it. He's not going to say, well, I'm going to dangle you over here for a little bit. 
just to remind you how bad you were. No. I use that. It, it, it's a part of who I am to help somebody, to witness, to reach to somebody. Will you pray with me? Jesus, God, I believe in the work that you're doing in every life that's here right now. God, I believe, God, the past, the things that we've come from and come out of, Lord Jesus, you can use those things, God, to reach to others that were in need like we were in need. Jesus, I know, God, and I believe that you can use every person in this room, God, to witness, to reach to another life, God, to share your word, God, that we would gain, that we would win, Jesus, as you help, as you lead, Jesus, in your name, Jesus, in your name, help us, God. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 25. Elder Hart mentioned this, referenced this parable. Matthew chapter 25. I'm going to skip down to verse 24. So in this parable where he gave talents to men, the, the guy... The guy that saved his one talent buried it and hid it. We get a glimpse here into why he did what he did. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown. What, is that, what does that mean? What does that look like? He reaps where he doesn't sow. I'll tell you what it looks like. He gave one guy two. He comes back and gets four. He's reaping where he didn't sow. He gave one guy five. Comes back and gets those, those five and five more. So this guy, his perception of the Lord is not inaccurate. I know that you reap where you don't sow. Gathering where thou hast not strawed. This is how you operate, Lord Jesus. Now, in my relation to this passage, the first thing that I thought was, Okay, he's going to gather, he's going to reap whether I sow or not. Whether I play a part or not. Whether I throw my hat into the ring of this game or not, he's going to reap. His will is going to be done. For all you religious people that want his will to be done, it's going to be done anyways, whether I play or not. He's going to reap where he doesn't sow. So I can take mine. Not care for it. Bury it. Verse 25. And I was afraid. And I went and hid thy talent in the earth. 
sounds a lot like a passage I've heard before where somebody is confronted by the Lord. And they said, I was afraid, and I went, and I hid. That's Adam and Eve. Where, where are you? Why aren't you playing a part where I've placed you? Why aren't you taking on the role that I've given you? I was afraid. I went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, thou hast that is thine. There thou hast that is thine. See, this, this, this subtlety, this subtle move of the enemy is to say, the Lord's going to win no matter what. He's going to win. He's going to reach people. He's going to use this person and that person to reach people. And so all, all you got to do is just sit back and enjoy the ride. All you have to do is just observe. Take that one talent that he's given you. Hold, just hold on to it. Just protect it. Just keep it safe. Keep it where nothing's going to happen to it. Keep it away from any risk. Keep it away from any problem. So you can at least say, I protected what you gave me. Verse 26. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not. He didn't say, you thought and you were wrong. No, you were right. You knew this is what I do. This is how I function. This is how I operate. And that I gather where I have not strawed. Verse 27, thou oughtest therefore, this is interesting to me because I've never, I can't say that I've really ever grasped this part of this parable before. Thou oughtest, therefore, to have put my money to the exchangers. And then at my coming, I should have received mine own with usury. If you, if you weren't going to do anything else with that talent, or as we're talking about today, with your life, if you're not going to do anything else with it, at least take it to the people that know how to increase it, make more out of it. Take it to somebody who has experienced and witnessed what it's like to get a profit, a gain out of it. That way, when I come back, I'll at least get what somebody helped you gain out of your life, out of your talent, whatever it is. I, because you're right. I reap where I don't sow. I give increase. That's his nature, to give increase. Who else do you think knows that? The subtle one. He knows that he gives increase. So he, he'll tell you, just take what you have, don't let it increase. Really, that's, that's implied by what he's telling you to hide yours. Make nothing of your life. Don't, just don't let it increase. I said we're going to expose some of what he tries to do. That's what he tries to do. 
if he can keep you to keep everything you have in yourself from the Lord, all the things that he's given you, the, the gift of the Holy Ghost, the righteousness, the holiness, whatever it is that the Lord's working in you, if the enemy can keep that from increasing, from, from producing, profiting gain in any way, he's won. He's done his job. Because what he did is he took away yours and he took away the increase. He took away the gain. Now, I, I confess, I don't know exactly what the money markets were like back in this day and age. But today we know, well, I, I know if I take my $1 and I give it, I might not get it back at all. I might lose the one thing that I had. And then he's going to be extra mad because I, w- I, I took what, you, what you, you gave me and I lost it. Except... He kind of already confessed better than that because he says he knows the Lord reaps where he doesn't sow. So really, if he, he had faith, he had enough faith to say you get what you don't even give out. You get back more than what you give out. So I could have taken this one dollar, this one talent, exchanged it with faith to believe I might get two back. I might get ten back. He's the one that gives that increase. He's the one that reaps and gathers what wasn't his. Will you stand with me? Now, I've got to be careful because, like it was said here at the beginning, there's not one, one person in here with any more value than any other person. I don't believe that for a second. So the, the point is not just to say what's the minimal amount that the Lord would be able to get out of me and let's, let's try for that. That's, I'll tell you one thing, you don't win that way. But if I can, if I can start there, if I can realize what the guy with one talent should have done but didn't do, that's a start. What did the Lord tell him? Take the one thing that you had, give it to the exchangers of money. Now, this is, I know this is going to sound practical, way more practical than a, a sermon or a message really should ever lead to, except if I'm honest with myself, I'll say that again, if I'm honest with myself, I'll know what road I've been on. What's the trajectory of my life to this point? Is it flat? Is it baseline? And if that's the trajectory, I'm going to get next to somebody that can help me bump that up just a little bit. Because they've seen the increase. They've seen the gain. You can't listen to the voice, the subtle voice that would say, You're risking too much. You're risking too much to try and do that, to make yourself vulnerable and go up to someone and say, I I need a little bit of help with this. I've seen you produce, and I need a little help because I haven't done that yet. Nope, that's that's right where that subtle voice would sneak in and say, just hold on to what you have. Keep it safe. Keep it tight for the Lord. And when he comes back, you can give that back to him. We, we see how that, he, the Lord called him wicked 
and slothful because he wouldn't try, because he didn't put forth the effort. I'm going to open this altar. I'm going to give you a chance to pray right now. Let's come before the Lord. Let's reach out to him. Let's, if it starts with, Lord, just giving my life to you, I'll do that today. God, if it starts with just repenting, I'll do that today, God, and seeking forgiveness. God, I want you to use me for your kingdom's sake. God, I want you to use me for your cause today. God, you know the people that, you've gonna, that you're going to put in my path. You know the individuals, God, that I can reach out to. Jesus, I pray right now, God, through your faith, God, through your wisdom, Lord Jesus, give me this burden, oh God, to see your increase in my life. To see your increase in my life, Lord Jesus. God, I'm laying it before you right now, God. I want everything to be open before you. God, I'm not going to hide out of fear today. I'm not going to hide out of worry or guilt today. Jesus, I'm going to lay my life open before you. God, and I'm going to surrender to you today. Jesus, I'm going to surrender to you today. you respond to the Lord today.
Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This is important today. From the very outset, what the Lord is trying to establish here. Sometimes we get accustomed to a certain delivery of a message, and so we tune ourselves in based on the delivery. That's why we must make sure we listen with our spirits so we're hearing what the Spirit says to the church. Um, There is a thread of the Spirit that has been here throughout that is so critical for us. And uh, I, I trust we're hearing this today as the Lord would want us to hear it because it's important for our individual walk, our collective walk as a body and the work that He wants to do with us in and through the earth. The flowers started in 1 Corinthians 9. I want to read just a couple of verses. We'll be quick. Right at verse 22 is where he stopped. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. And as he referenced, Paul's talking about letting the Lord work through his life in different manners to reach people. He understood, I can can be bold and forthright sometimes, but if I do that with everybody, they're going to shut me off quick. And so I'm letting the Spirit of the Lord give me wisdom, and God works through me. So when someone's very weak and timid, I'm not going to come in and run them over. I'm going to let the Spirit of God lead me. You understand, it's not me trying to be a chameleon, me trying to, it's God working through me. If you go all the way back where he started reading, he said, I made myself a servant to all. That was a key. I made myself a servant to all. I wasn't over anybody. I made myself. So watch what he says. The weak I became weak that I might gain the weak. I made all things to all men. That I by all means save some. Now I want you to look at the next verse, 23. This I do. Why does he do this? Not for himself. This is for the gospel's sake. That I might notice. He's not doing it so he can put feathers in his cap. He said, I'm reaching to this one. So I can be partaker with them. We can be partakers together in this work of the kingdom. But I want you, It seems almost like he shifts, but he's not shifting. I want you to look at the next verse. Do you not know? He makes his appeal to them. Then he asks this question. Do you not know that they which run in a race, they all run, but one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain. I have a question for you. Yeah, why don't I just pick on Martin? We've been picking on him all morning. We're just going to just come right on up here, Martin. We're just going to pick on you. You just stand right there. You can look that way. Look that way. They don't see you. They don't want to look at your back. Let's see. Who else do I want to pick on? I pick on my wife. Here, come on. You stand right there. Okay. Very good. Now, when I say go, yeah, you guys are going to race. When I say go. I want you to race to Azario. This is real. This is real. 
Okay? I'm, I'm not playing games here. Okay? Are you ready? So, babe, I want you to, I want you to come stand right here, babe. There you go. Ready? Ready? <laughs> On your mark, get set, go. Now, if I'd have left them both up there, now I want you to notice something that's very significant. Brother Martin could have said, I have no chance. You understand, running the race wasn't about who got there first. The objective was to get there. Too often we disqualify ourselves. Well, if I was running and I stumbled and I fell... And now it's so much further. There's just no use in running anymore. It's the subtle lie of the enemy. Well, but I made mistakes and I've made them so many times and people know and I've gotten back up. But now I'm just sort of just enduring. No, no, no. Still run. Still run. But... It doesn't seem, I mean, they're so far ahead of me. It's not who finishes first. It's to finish. Run. Why do you run? That you may obtain. And the goal that Paul was talking about was, while I'm running, I see somebody else. And it's not about, well, I'm so much further ahead than you. You know, you, you got brought into this thing just a few years ago. You made all kinds of mistakes. I'm 30 years ahead. No, I want to be partaker with you. One day, together, we're going to stand in His presence. And it's not going to be about who started first and who got there last and who fell along the way. It's going to be about we finished. We finished. Oh, but I know some mistakes you made. No, that's not what it's about. We got up and we finished. We finished together. And I found somebody along the journey that maybe wasn't getting along and they were struggling. What did I do? Did I say, ah, oh, you're not as good of a runner as I am. No, that's not what I said. I said, come on, you can do this. You can run. You can you may not run as fast as I. You may not look the same when you run. But run on anyway. We're going to finish. We've got to stop comparing. We've got to stop looking at fault and somebody that fell. And say, come on, you can run. We're going to run together. We're going to run. Finish. tragedy of the one talent hey, come back up here brother Martin go right back over there where you were okay. 
going to try again, okay? You ready? On your mark, get set, go. That's what the one with one talent did. That's what the one with one talent did. The one with one talent. It's not fair. Life is stacked against me. There's no point in me running. The one with one talent didn't lose because he only had one talent. He lost because he didn't run. The enemy just wants you to stop running the race. In one other place, the Apostle Paul said this. Well, if you believe the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Hebrews, he said this. Hebrews chapter 12, he says, Seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. That's those that have already run before us. Seeing we're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run the race that is set before us. You know what that means? I can't run your race. It's a different one that's set in front of every one of us. And you know what I've learned in 48 years of living? The enemy wants me to start looking at somebody else's race. So I can say, it's not fair. My race is harder. It's not fair. They don't have to deal with what I do. My race is a tougher obstacle course than theirs. Brother Flowers said at the beginning, we start a dialogue with the enemy. We start conversing with the enemy and believing his lies. And we stop running the race. You know what makes it fair? Not a one of us are running by ourselves. I'm running by His grace. Amen. Praise God. God bless you today. You're dismissed in the precious name of Jesus. Greet somebody, please, before you go.